Movies and Martinis celebrates women and diversity in the entertainment world by ranking trending movies, shows, and books with two completely different perspectives and ranked by delicious martinis. Listen to find out how many martinis we felt it was worth. And learn about the women who have written, performed, and or directed in everything we have rated. A new episode is available every Thursday on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube. What's up, everyone? Welcome to our podcast. I'm Priya. And I'm Mercy. Hi, everybody. Nice to meet you. We have a real special announcement today, Priya. Yes. Today is our first ever Books and Martinis episode. And this is finally, like a, finally, it's a spinoff of movies and martinis. We're always talking about books, always, always talking about the films that are inspired by books. And today we are kicking off with an amazing best-selling author, Ron Felber. Yes. Hey, Ron, welcome. Oh, so excited Good, to, to be have here. you. So excited. I'm, I'm honored to be on your first show. Uh, thank you. Yes, it's, it's our kickoff. So we're really psyched about this. We we had a list of authors, but none that could stand next to you. So we're so, so happy that you decided to join us and we can't wait to talk about your book. My, my pleasure. Yes, Thanks, yes. Well. Thank so you. Ron has a new book coming out. It's not on shelves yet. It's not available on Amazon until March. It's The Unwelcome, The Curious Case of Clara Fowler. And it's coming out in March. And we're so excited to talk about this book. Mercy's read the whole thing. Uh -huh. I'm about to read it. And we're going to find yes. out all about the book today with this interview. So yes. let's get started. I'm so yes. excited. Right. Okay. Okay. So Ron. Yes. We have to kick this off for our movies and book community. I want to hear a little bit about yourself before we start with the really the, the meat and potatoes of the interview. Tell us, tell our listeners and our viewers about who Ron Felber is. Yeah, well, I mean, I have a, a bit of a background like uh, like most people in terms of uh, writing. I started writing when I was 12. I was in the sixth grade and I had a teacher. I, I remember her name, Miss Dorsey. Miss Dorsey, we had a you know typical sort of essay segment where you write about uh, your favorite athlete or what you did for the summer or whatever you know that kind of essay for the sixth grade. So I came back with an essay on Willie Mays, the baseball player, and she said, you know, this isn't the best essay, but it's the most unique essay. You have a unique way of seeing the world, and um, and it's very good. And so I encourage you. Uh, to be a, to, to keep writing and so then i i um started writing short stories and in the sixth seventh and eighth grade i was getting my short stories published in my brother's high school magazine they had a literary magazine called the wow. k-rex at saint benedict's prep in newark and he would bring them into the uh the priest there the priest liked the writing so they'd actually publish my stuff even though i wasn't in that high school yet Although I did eventually <laughs> go into that high school and I became editor of the magazine. Wow. But from there, I won an award uh, for best short story uh, and um, got a scholarship to Marquette University for one year. And then I uh, transferred to Georgetown University. And it's a good thing that I did because that's where I met William Peter Blatty while he was filming The Exorcist. Mm, and that's how I got the story, the background story for The Unwelcomed. He literally gave me that story. I did. What was your relationship with him? You know, it, uh, I have to say, what a what a wonderful man. He died about seven years ago, but what what a wonderful guy. 
So I was this kid with a, a manuscript with typos all through it, and, you know, my first novel. He was filming, you know, one of the biggest movies ever, The Exorcist in Georgetown with Billy Friedkin. All the roads were closed off. They had fog machines and whatnot. And so uh, I said, I I've got to meet this guy and give him my manuscript because if he reads it, he'll like it and maybe it'll help me get it published. So it wasn't easy to meet him, but finally I found out they were staying at the uh, Key Bridge Marriott across from Georgetown, across the Potomac. So I went there. He wasn't there, but an admin was, and I begged her to pass it along to Blatty. She looked behind, and there were a stack of dozens oh. and dozens of books, a mountain of manuscripts. She said, I'll put it with the others. Oh, my goodness. And oh. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm just like he was. He went to Georgetown. Mm -hmm. I said, he wanted to be a writer. I said, I'm a sophomore, just like him. He's from the Bronx, New York. I'm from Newark, New Jersey. I said, we both come from, you know, we have scholarships for merit scholarships. I said, we're very, very similar. I'm just like he was. Just tell him that. She said, I'll tell you what. I'm not going to make any promises, but I'll give him the book. I'll pass it along to him. I'll do that much. And sure enough, uh, we went... Um, on a vacation for Thanksgiving, I went back home to New Jersey from Washington. And who do I get a phone call but William Peter Blatty saying, I love your manuscript. When you come back from the holiday, uh, come see me and we'll discuss it. So he didn't help me publish that book, but he helped me publish my next one. And he gave me the story, this wonderful story for um, for the, the unwelcome. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So how long did it take you to create this manuscript for The Unwelcome? What was your process like? It was 50 years. How about that? Oh, wow. You got to remember, he, he gave me this story when I was in, uh, in college. So then I, uh, once I got out of college, I tried to write it. But frankly, I just didn't have the skill. It's a complex story, a lot of psychology, uh, a lot of... Um, uh, changes in time because you're dealing with turn of the century right some of the characters are william james the famous uh, abnormal psychologist from harvard takes place in boston a uh, sigmund freud is a character you know mm -hmm. so you're dealing with these very heavyweight characters at the turn of the century and for a, a novice writer it's very difficult to change um time frames so it's, it's fairly easy to write in 2024. I'm writing a story about 2024. But go back to 1898. What mm. clothes do people wear? You know, what, uh, what, what did the streets of Boston look like then? What was Harvard University like then? What was Beacon Hill like? What was Sigmund Freud like? How would he talk? What, what brand of cigarettes were they smoking? I saw. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> the little details. Little, which, which is what gives credibility to a story. So this is a true story. And actually what Blatty had done was say, go to Harvard University Medical School. And in the library there are the records of this incredible case uh, of Clara Fowler with Dr. Morton Prince, William James, and the head of uh, the Society for Psychical Research, Richard Hogson. So they had a team that included a, cl a clairvoyant, Leonora Piper, mm -hmm the head of the president yes. of the American uh, Psychiatric uh, uh, Psychical Society, uh, Richard Hogson, George Waterman, who uh, was the heir to the Waterman Penn uh, dynasty, right. and uh, Dr. Morton Prince, who was the lead 
psychiatrist, also a Harvard Medical School graduate and lecturer. This team studied this woman for five years and eventually cured her. She displayed all of the, the symptoms and signs of demonic possession. Wow. This was, this was um, imagine in the year 1898, the, the most prominent doctors in, in the country studying a woman who speaks in languages that are unknown to her, Aramaic, Latin, mm -hmm. Greek, who, who talks in a man's voice, you know, clearly a different personality than the one that, uh, that uh, they witnessed. The original woman, Farrah Fowler, has visitations from the Virgin Mary. So she's very saintly, very religious. And this demonic presence is uh, just like totally evil. And uh, it becomes a story of murder, uh, science, and the paranormal. Mm. It's just extraordinary. So I, I'm forever thankful that, uh, you know, that I learned of this story from Bill Blatty. And uh, matter of fact, I dedicate the book to him. Yes, I was reading it and, and it, it breaks it even deeper than that because you have uh, Clara and then you have the demon, but then you also have the woman that yeah, she is behind these two entities. And I was um, talking to Priya earlier and I told her from the minute I read the first sentence until I read the last one, I couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop. Every time I had to stop for something, I was so mad. And this is not my type of book. This is not something I would read or watch. I'd watch scary movies. It Ron, me. I so she doesn't usually read gore. And Ever. because her review, I don't know if you saw it on Instagram, was just like, this is amazing. I couldn't stop reading it. I was like, Mercy, yeah. what didn't you like? And then she was like, the gore. <laughs> well, it was, very, you know, it was it, graphic. It's, but it was it's necessary. A true story. It's it a true necessary. story. And this is the, the incredible thing. Actually, Prince wrote a book, and uh, it's out of print now for many years, but it's, it's uh, look, that's how old it is. <laughs> okay. yeah. It's called Dissociation of a Personality. And this book, along with all of his notes, transcripts from, from the uh, sessions, the, the psychiatric sessions, the hypnotic sessions. Which, um, by the way, let me interrupt you for one second, happened yeah. in his house with his wife and his little girl in the house. Yeah, who... Which all become part of the story towards the end, and it's terrifying. And goodness, wow. go, yes. yeah, actually, you have a better reaction than some. If you just said, I don't like the gore, I talked to somebody that had read the manuscript, I passed it along for proofreading, said they hadn't slept for three nights. So, oh, I, I, I wasn't oh, even, man. I wasn't faced by it, I think, because I'm very visual yeah. and I was only reading it, so I wasn't watching a movie and a big screen. Yes, of that sort, and I was prepared for it. So even yes. when I read the goriest things, it was okay because it was part of a bigger picture in my mind. Yeah, and it's very. I really enjoyed it. it. It's intricate because really it becomes a sort of murder mystery. Right. You've yes. got this wonderful character, um, uh, Rufus Bassett Hilliard. Yes, I loved him. Yeah. Who was your favorite character? That's, yeah, that's something my favorite character. Bassett was your favorite character. Look well, at you that. Know, uh, again, you, you've read the book, so you know. But here's a, here's a guy that. Um, that was upwardly mobile, very bright, you know, was promoted rapidly, was promoted in the military rapidly, comes back from the service, becomes the city marshal in, I think, four years, mm -hmm. graduates up quickly, becomes sort of a almost a political figure because 
He marries the daughter of a of a prominent judge. Right. And uh, everything is on track for the best career in the world until a couple of things happen. One is he investigates, and this is true, the Lizzie Borden axe murders in oh. Fall River. So he's mm -hmm. the Fall River Marshal. Oh, so wow. these are gruesome murders. Yeah. Maybe people are familiar with the Lizzie Borden murders, mm -hmm. but they're infamous. And then, believe it or not, within months of in a place where there hadn't been a murder in 50 years, three miles away, a farm worker commits an axe murder just like Lizzie Borden did. Mm -hmm. And he has to investigate that. So he becomes really obsessed and shaken by these gruesome murders. And as a matter of fact, Clara Fowler's father, uh, he believes, was a murderer also. And... Uh, Firefeller had two siblings that, that died under suspicious circumstances. And Rufus Hilliard, Bassett, because of, they call it his nickname, because he's named after the Bassett Hound. You know, he- That's always he, like smelling and looking for yeah, things. Exactly. That's how I visualized him. That's his nickname. A true detective. Rufus Bassett Hilliard is convinced that the father murdered Firefeller's uh, brother and sister. And, uh, it, and he wants her to be a witness against him. And when he gets to Boston, he finds out that she's under the care of Dr. Morton Prince and this team of physicians, famous, prominent physicians, because she displays all the symptoms of demonic possession. And, and so you meet you meet um, Bassett right in the beginning. Yeah, right, yeah. I mean, the book just starts with like this death that just blows you away. You're like, what just happened? And he walks into the scene. So yeah. it's it's just crazy it's, it's so very good. visual it's very cinematic and and yes. obviously, you know, obviously i'm hopeful that uh that it becomes a film it, it it's so funny you say that because the entire time i could see it in a movie <laughs> i could visualize it i'm like this is better than this show and that show and that movie it was now, those are the best types of books you know yeah. that you can visually picture well it. actually yeah. as i mentioned i teach writing and one of the things that i say you know I, is to to create a storyboard like mm. with index cards yeah, this, scene, that this scene, this scene, and a, a book, a novel these days really should flow like a film. Yes. One scene should lead to the next, next, et cetera. And if you're very lucky, it all fits together in a, yes. in a kind of symmetry, you know, a kind of uh, You do that beautifully. You did that beautifully because I, I think I was talking to one of my friends. I keep telling everybody, you have to wait until it comes out. But you're so into it, the chapters don't even matter. You're in a yeah. flow. So when, since I was reading it digitally, when it would end, it's like, oh, why is this page blank in between? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care about the chapter. The name of the chapter, I was just so into the story. Yes. And, was, and there's, a, there's quite a bit of conflict between Prince, who's hell-bent on... He's my on, favorite character, by the way. Yeah. Well, he's quite a character. He was... His father was mayor of Boston. Yes. As a matter of fact. Comes from a very prominent family. Again, Harvard uh, graduated number one in his class, Harvard Medical School. Um, but he hated Sigmund Freud, and they had this yes. tremendous rivalry. Mm, where psychiatry would go? Would it go towards psychoanalysis or behavioralism? And um, so he was. He looked at this case as a way to steer people away from spiritualism and you know what he would call superstition and things like that. And uh, into science, you know, more scientific approach to things. Uh, 
but he had a rival on the team of physicians, and this was Hogson, right. who was head of the uh, the uh, Society of Psychical Researchers. Huh. And he and Hogson have tremendous debates about you know what's real, what is reality, mm -hmm. and well, because Jesus comes to play. Absolutely. So there's this emotional yeah. fear that you have, like, okay, but if I say that the devil's not real, is he going to come and get me tonight? <laughs> well, know, there's a lot of that goes on in the story. Well, I have a big question for you. Since a lot of it involves spirituality, did yes. it impact you in any way? Did it, it did. impact it, your spiritual views? It, it did. As a matter of fact, um, I, I can tell you, I wrote a book on alien abduction and the similarities between um alien abductions and demonic possession and angelic uh, visitations etc is is incredibly unique they're very much tied for example when uh, the demon presents itself in the unwelcome through clara fowler there's this tremendous smell of sulfur everybody talks about it mm. it's in you know, it's in all of the records I had a case of alien abduction that I studied and uh, wrote about in Mojave incident. And what do you think the people talked about when the aliens came with this tremendous smell of sulfur or phosphorus? Really? And, um, and I, it seems to me that a lot of these UFO alien kind of things have a lot to do with spiritualism. And in both cases, you have the Virgin Mary in, in the um, unwelcomed. But in the Mojave incident, while these people are being uh, tortured, literally, by these alien beings, an angelic presence makes itself known and says, don't worry, you'll survive this. You know, have faith in Jesus and you'll survive. And so these are two very different situations. One happened in... Uh, in um, Was it the uh, 60s, I think? Uh, actually, 1989. One was 1989. That's the Mojave incident. And this, of course, happened in 1898. But the similarities are very, very interesting. And what I've come to realize is that we have absolutely no idea of what's real. Mm. Our brains, uh, Aldous Huxley says this in Doors of Perception, our brains are programmed through evolution to screen out reality. What we see is very superficial. So, for example, if you look at your face in the mirror, you'll see a face. And right. you'll say, well, okay, fine, there's a man, this is a woman, this is a handsome guy, this is a, not an attractive guy, et cetera, et cetera. But behind that face is the person. Right. And what Huxley says is, what we see, because we need to survive to get food, to, you know, just water to survive, are the very superficial things like you would see your face in the mirror. But behind all of those icons are thoughts. And and for example, with a person, you love people, you, you have political views, you believe in religious views. There's a whole world much bigger than the superficial thing you see. And so what I've come to realize because of this research is that, that there is a spirit world that there is a multi-dimensional world around us and we have very limited sight into it however on rare occasions there's a breakthrough the curtain the curtain moves to the side momentarily for a glimpse into what really is real yeah. mm.
That sounds like stuff you would talk about, Priya. <laughs> <laughs> so I love this stuff. I love this stuff. So I'm writing a book about alien alien abduction. It's oh, not really? it's not it's a it's a sci-fi romance um and it's spicy and it's about a middle-aged mom who's abducted she's on the couch watching walking dead and she's abducted by aliens dropped on an alien planet and has to deal with all these things um of people trying to control her her powers and all these different alien races sounds great um but it's not as in-depth as what you're explaining here you know uh, yeah so well, this, this is really interesting real. i mean this is real this and, and real again thing. you have the chorus, you, you know, uh, Mercy, their letters. This demonic presence hates Clara Fowl. Yes. And yes. literally, she would wake up and find uh, claw marks down, up and down her back, bathed and in words. alcohol. Bathed in alcohol. Oh my God. Um, she would find herself on top of furniture that had been piled, paralyzed on top of furniture, naked. And just mm -hmm. frozen in a position for hours on end. Mm -hmm. Just just anything to tour. Her money would be ripped up. Wait, Letters are, would be. Are, hmm? are there like are, are there pictures or anything? Is there anything like to well, pull all, all of these big, well-renowned uh doctors documented uh, all of this? And it's yeah, all in the, it's in all the files. Mm -hmm. But uh these experiences happened to her. So I mean, do they have pictures of, of the wounds? Not that I'm aware of, uh -huh, you know. Right. Not that I'm aware of. But the doctor, so I, and I do believe back, yes, and I do believe that back then everything was uh painted, like yeah, because yeah, there's sure. a portrait that they're making of him and to document anything. They wanted to document his wife wanted to gift him with a portrait of himself so that he would have it for generations. Yeah, to come. which by the way, if you go on the internet, you can see that portrait. Oh, okay. Oh, that's so and interesting. By the way, the other thing you want to hear something else that will blow your mind, Priya. So Jack the Ripper actually mm. wrote letters to to Bassett, the detective. Jack what? Is, yes. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, in the um, Fall River Museum, they have a whole section devoted to Lizzie Borden, Juan uh, Coriano, who, who was the other killer. And um, the letter that he got from Jack the Ripper is on display there. Isn't that amazing? That's and insane how well they're all connected like that. You don't even know the half of it until you read the book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't know oh the half my of God. the and I, and I really I hesitate book. to give away to I know. I feel the same. To I wasn't that, even going to bring it up. Except to say that Falls River, Fall River has a has a uh, a very sordid history. A very sordid history. Even, even just, I think it was the 80s, they uncovered a, a satanic cult there. And it was headlines for quite some time. Uh, it it's uh, well. I guess if there are portals, I guess there. Are I was about to, to say heaven, that. Is there a portal to hell as well? And Small River, it's Small there. River could well be one of those. So wow. I'm going to ask you a question, Ron, that I didn't have on my, I didn't have on my list of questions I wanted to ask you, but because of your explanation of your spirituality and what you've learned through the course of, of finding out all this information that you got hands on. Um, there are devout Christians that when asked about aliens, right? Because I, I guess you, well, I personally challenged one <laughs> during a recent yeah. trip. And I said, okay, but how are you going to tell me that this is real and this is real? And now this is happening. So what do you say about aliens and, and abductions and things of that nature, which of course they don't believe, but I'm saying this is factual. You know, there is documentation. This has happened. This exists. And they said, well, that's just the devil. 
So when they tell me, when they told me that at the time, I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. And I let it go. <laughs> you let sure. things go way too easily. <laughs> I guess so, because I let it go. But then when I was reading the book, I'm like, oh, wait a second. There's Yeah, hold on, right? There yeah. is a connection. Like, oh, that's not good. There is a connection. And, you know, actually, it's funny you, you should say that. And, and I'll try to be as discreet as I can. But the people that were, had been abducted became very religious and uh, wound up moving to Salt Lake City and became Mormons, devout Mormons. And the bishop of the church told them exactly that, that they didn't have an encounter with uh, aliens. They had an encounter with the devil. Right. Wow. And, and, and as you look at it, particularly in the Mojave incident, where this angelic presence actually comes in to, to these people and tells them, calm down, you'll, you'll make it, you will survive. And then you have these Marian visitations, these visitations for the Blessed Mother for uh, for uh, Clara. And then you have right. these demonic beings, this sulfurous odor. There's just a lot of connections that are mm -hmm. hard to explain and very strange, but impossible to ignore. Right, right. Scary to, uh, to admit. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, maybe, maybe, maybe on the other side of things in the spiritual world is just like the regular world. Maybe there are good and there's evil. Maybe it's like really everywhere. Possible. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. And I was going to also, my last thing about the book, because I don't want to give up anything, was that <laughs> because you're talking about smells, right? And fragrances yes. and things like that. The ether with the, with the lavender <laughs> took me by like, what? Yeah. The book is excellent. Yeah, that, the book cool? is excellent. And so, cool. go ahead. Yeah, I had a quote from Norman Mailer. It's very short. But this is what he said, and it might might resonate with what we're talking about. He says, the devil might be a presence from another universe. We might be fighting an implacable enemy out there, and the devil might be the agent of the implacable enemy, with God as the tired general fighting that war with his own agents of hope. Yeah. So, I mean, what he's kind of saying is there's this battle going on, and as you know, when the devil yes. speaks, it's pretty like powerful. I mean, there's yeah. actually, you know, it's terrifying. Yeah. Like basically we fight for mm -hmm. souls, you know, right. we, we fight and they're great victories and we celebrate those victories. Absolutely. Or we call it Absolutely. the devil, but it's like these super beings that have mm -hmm. all these nefarious ways about them that are interacting with us in these ways. Right. But, but because well, we're humans. You the book, when you read the book, <laughs> you're going to get a lot more. Well, yeah. I can't what, wait. I can't what wait. Baudelaire, Baudelaire says the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing people he didn't exist. Right. Mm. Yeah. This is all in the book. It's so good. I love it. It's so, so good. So I got to ask you, I have, a, I have to ask you a writer question because I know you did yeah. a lot of research for this book. Yeah. What advice would you give writers in this genre? Yeah, well, you know, not just uh, in this genre, but just or gen in general. Yeah, <laughs> this is advice that Bill Blatty gave me, and uh, one of one of the pieces of advice said you're dealing with sophisticated audiences these days. So what you could get away with, let's see, in a science fiction book or movie in the '50s, you you could never get away with now because you have a sophisticated audience. Right. And so, write about what you know, and if you don't know it, research it. Research it so that it's credible and it anchors your story in reality. Huh. Because if people see through it and say, well, that isn't true or that isn't true, it just destroys the credibility. The other is to read. 
to read other writers and learn the techniques from them. And last, I think, is to be passionate about the story you're writing. So I have a class now and, you know, halfway through, so I said, you know, I don't really feel like writing this story anymore. Bill, before you get that far, whatever you're writing about, you should really be excited about. And mm. because it's a bit of a, a marathon, it's an endure writing a book is an endurance contest. Well, we know that now. Yeah. <laughs> before we before we dove in, we had no idea. Now it's been years and yeah. we're still at it. Every time we're like, okay, it's ready. Oh no, no. No, no. Go back. Well, actually, my wife Ingrid, who you mm -hmm. know, said to me just you know, I never had any idea how complicated all this is, writing a book, etc. You know, the research that goes into it. But literally, this story was was 50 years in the making. And uh, the story before it had really been concealed by the medical establishment probably for a hundred years, you know, since that time, because they didn't want this, you know, it really is, it probably called it the best documented case of demonic possession he'd come across in his research. And I know that we're wrapping this up, but I'm just, I have so many questions. So I'm just going <laughs> to ask one more. When he wrote The Exorcist, yes. I'm going to assume, clearly, he already knew about the case of Clara, Clara's case. Yes. But he wrote The Exorcist as a fiction. Yeah. Not not as a factual uh, movie. Was he inspired by Clara's story when yeah, he I wrote think The Exorcist? Two, two stories. Um, this was one, and the other happened. It, it's a little like my story with him. He read in the Washington Post, I guess it was still called the Washington Post then, this would have been in like 59 or so when he was a student at Georgetown. And uh, there was an article about, a small article about a boy in Maryland that uh, that suffered from demonic possession and how the Jesuits had had uh, converged and, and, um, and put it, hospitalized him and worked with him and performed an exorcism, et cetera. It was a small article. He was so intrigued by it, he put it in his wallet. It just stayed there for years and years. He was a comedy writer. And then in the in the late 60s, early 70s, he said, you know, I'm not making enough money. I'm not making a living writing comedy anymore because tastes have changed. I'm going to try something dramatic. And he pulled his little article out of his that wallet. That was pretty dramatic. And that was, uh, that was <laughs> the, the beginning of The Exorcist. Yeah. Wow, wow. It's a staple in the movie yeah. industry. Yeah. Well, but it's funny how things happen. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Full circle, full circle. So thank you so much, Ron, for being our first guest yes. for Books and Martinis. This sounds like an amazing story. I know Mercy read, Mercy read it already, but now I have to, oh, oh, you have I have to. to read it because it sounds amazing. Well, I hope yes. you enjoyed oh, yeah. it. I'm yes. very honored to be uh, the first guest on your show. So thank, thank you. I wish you, you much, that's our, much that's success our with it. Thank, Thank you, Ron. We appreciate okay. it. Great seeing and you. You'll see us on Instagram. So we'll yeah, be- Yeah, so Ron, really quick. If anybody wants to find your book, it's coming out March 15th on Amazon. It'll be Amazon. It'll be Barnes and Noble. The Unwelcome, The Curious Case of Clara Fowler. I do have a cover and this would be the cover. So beautiful, beautiful. So make sure you check it out, guys. Like, share, follow. We'll put all the information in our summary to contact Ron, to reach out to him, to check out his book. And again, thank you so much for listening and for watching our latest YouTube episode. That's it. See you yes. later, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, Ron. Thank you. Bye-bye.